now proud partner of the Clydesdale Media. This is the Type 1 Lifting Podcast. All right, guys, I want to tell you a little bit about Type 1 Lifting. So Type 1 Lifting is a clothing brand that proceeds of the shirts, the hats, and everything else go to the Children's Diabetes Foundation. This whole t-shirt company started from me taking care of a five-year-old girl from the emergency department at the Children's Hospital I worked at in Atlanta for a while back. Um, I thought I needed to do a little bit more than kind of just talk about my story. So this is how I started the clothing line because I wanted to show people that even though diabetics have this really bad disease, we can still do amazing things in our life and diabetes won't stop, you know, stop us reaching our goals. So go check out type1lifting.com. And, um, you know, if you have any questions, you can always reach me out on Instagram. It's type1lifting and I hope you guys enjoy the show. Hey guys, we have a new sponsor for the Type 1 Lifting Podcast. The company's called Liberté Lifestyle. So Liberté is a French word meaning freedom, and the company was founded on the desire to have freedom to choose what we want to do with our lives. I actually had the owner, um, Nicole, on my podcast on episode 28, so if you want to go back and listen to her, um, she talks about how she started the company and what she wants to do in the future with the company, which is pretty cool. So uh, they actually have knee sleeves, wrist wraps, shirts, shorts. Uh, love the knee sleeves. I have the ice cream knee sleeves, and I love them so much. They haven't, the neoprene's still good. Uh, the seams haven't split compared to other uh, knee sleeves that I have had in the past, uh, and I'm planning to keep these for a very, very long time. So uh, Nicole actually gave me a promo code for you guys too. So it's all capital letters, T-Y-P-E, and the number one. So it's type one. So go to LibertéLifestyle.com, uh, check out what they have in the store, use the promo code type one, and save some coin. Now let's go to the episode. All right, guys, welcome to a new episode of the Type One Lifting Podcast. I have a very exciting guest. Um, she is the face of the Morning Chalk Up. You ever see the YouTube channel? Boom, her face is like right in the middle of the screen. So <laughs> her name is Lauren Khalil. How you doing? What an introduction. Thank you. I'm so excited. It's great to be here. I'm trying to, I try to jazz it up a little bit because everyone's just like, they just do the same thing over and over again. I kind of want to mix it up with everyone else. I, that, that's the new thing I want to do this year. I like it. It's a more personal uh, little introduction. I felt it. It was great. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so have you, um, non-CrossFit question. So have you finished your Christmas shopping? Are you, are you all done? Yes. It's so funny. I coach at my gym and every day for the last 10 days, I've been rem reminding my members that, okay, you have until December 22nd to order on Amazon prime and get it <laughs> by Christmas morning. So I think we got at the time of the recording, we got two more days, but luckily I've done all of my shopping. I only need to do a couple things in person, but most things I was able to just do online. Mm -hmm. And is it, is it kind of tough for you to tough for people to shop for you because you can pretty much like, obviously like as an adult, you can like, <laughs> you can get anything you want pretty much already. So it's like, do you like, are you a hard person to, to uh, get for? I would say I'm easy in the sense that there's so many things that I like that mm -hmm. you can't really go wrong, but I'm kind of at the point in my life that unless it's something super like extravagant, if I want something, I'll probably just buy it. <laughs> so by the time Christmas rolls around and, you know, friends and family mm -hmm. are like, Hey, what do you want? And I'm just like, I don't know. I kind of have everything 
that I want. I mean, I'm somebody who doesn't hate a gift card. If you give oh, no, me a me gift neither. card, yeah. I will love that. I think gift cards get such a bad rap and I hate it because I love a good gift card. Yeah. I mean, I, I could just be like, oh, I'll just like randomly get like something like for like five bucks and just use the gift card. And it's like, all right, that's right. It's easy. Like that's a perfectly fine. Yeah. I have no issues with gift cards. My actually my coworker, um, I work for a medical recruiting company and I were and like, so he, my supervisor, he always gives me like a $200 gift card and I'm like, Pfft okay there I'm you like, go I'll, I'll take that i'm like you're easy and like all you want is a bottle of bourbon so i'm like it's kind of a you know e equal 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 uh you know trade-off you know okay so you you have two kids what were the big items on the list that they wanted for christmas this year oh god so so my wife likes to go overboard with the with the presents so she got them i think she got bet my son bennett a, a basketball hoop because he's getting into basketball oh, like he yeah. just so he just started his um he just started this year playing basketball and so they have like the eight foot hoops like the they drop the hoop just so they could shoot and score because they don't have the muscle capacity to to like kind of <laughs> heave it over um yeah so yeah. he got he got that and he's got like I don't, he's never really watched wrestling but he was like so into this like wrestling ring like the aew like wrestling ring when they could like jump off the top ropes and like fly and i'm like okay oh wow <laughs> and um and then my daughter is all about these stuffed animals they call them a mixies i'm telling you like 80s so they're in a cauldron like a little cauldron so you put water in all this like powder and stuff like that and it starts smoking and then it like flips over and then the the stuffed animal pops out wait wait <laughs> what i feel like after this i'm gonna be on the internet yeah. looking these things up. so you put it in water but then it turns into a stuffed animal no no no. so there's like a little plate in the cauldron that like can that holds the water in plate that holds the water like so it won't like fall into the to like onto the stuffed animal or anything like that and so oh. you can keep it in this like little like bowl slash like plate pour all the put all the stuff in mix it get like a magic wand and just tap it and then like all of a sudden like <laughs> Oof, it just like flips over Magic. yeah and then it's like battery operated too so like you push a button and it makes these like weird noises and stuff and it's like super dangerous because for me the the, ta <laughs> the tail the tail is like just straight metal with like fur around it because like it's like oh. one of those bending tails and i'm like god if someone's gonna poke their eyes out i know it <laughs> the most dangerous stuffed animal on the market yeah, you ever see those commercials? You ever seen those like on like the Today Show, like the most dangerous toys out out oh, for this year, yeah. Christmas? Yeah, it's almost. I yeah. feel like I feel like that the mixies are that. So, but this is my personal opinion. <laughs> well, they're gonna have a happy Christmas, hopefully a safe one. <laughs> oh, they're gonna they're they're gonna kill it because like everybody is all all these kids are all about mixies. It's insane. So it's my like they have, yeah they have cartoons and all that stuff, and she's like just laser focused like on her screen like mixies and like just i'm like okay all right you don't want to watch anything else nope mixies okay all right that's fine there it is whatever makes him happy right <laughs> yeah pretty much and i think is there anything else big no i think that's that's pretty much it so you know and i don't really ask for much i just want a new computer screen because my son broke it so um oh, the computer no. monitor yeah he did it like a couple months ago i like literally lost it because yeah, pretty much the my desk was originally up in the toy room and now mm -hmm. I moved to the basement for that reason. So he was like playing around on the chair, hit the chair on the desk, and all of a sudden the monitor fell forward and then just like shattered. And I'm like, 
Okay. So are you looking at a shattered monitor right now? No, no, no. So I bought like a portable monitor. So when I go on vacation or something like that, and I have to work from on vacation, I have this like little portable one that I actually have all the notes on and everything Uh, over there. And so, but I want like a, I want like a big, big monitor. Cause like, I'm just starting to do like YouTube videos, like vlogs kind of. And and so I'm like, I need like a bigger timeline. So I actually know like where I'm seeing compared to this, like 13 inch, like monitor on the, on my Apple. And it's just like, you're like (laughs) scrolling over. You're trying to like, okay, where, where am I at right now? so yeah, yeah it's, it's crazy when I'm home, I have like the two monitors that I work with the dual screens. But then mm-hmm. when I travel, which is, it has been very frequently, all I have is the one monitor and it's like, there's just not enough space for the amount of tabs I have open right now. Yeah. <laughs> I I'll, I'll send you the link for the, the portable one that I have. Like oh, literally, perfect. literally you could fold it up and then put it in your, um, your, your computer case and it fits perfect. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I've seen those before. Oh, they're, they're money. Absolute money. I love it. So, um, but anyways, but you said you say you coach, so you're up in Syracuse. So, um, what, what made you get into CrossFit? My dad, he was the one that drank the Kool-Aid first and he was looking all fit with his six pack on the beach one summer. <laughs> and I was looking less than fit. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to do what my dad's doing because He seems to love it and he's super competitive with it. So after that family vacation, I signed up for, um, what was it called? I think on ramp at the time, Mm -hmm. you know, it was maybe like two weeks of tutorials and getting to know a bunch of the movements. And ever since then, I've just loved it. It finally gave me like that competitive thing to do after college. Yeah. I've noticed that with people that like graduate college, they like they need that competitive edge. Like I was a college athlete too. So like I needed something like after. And so that's how I started CrossFit. But the thing, funny thing was, is I was in the air force and that's how I, um, they had a CrossFit gym on the base. And so I was like, did you ever do it then? Oh yeah. I, I, I did it on the base. And so oh cool. they're like, you typically need to do an on-ramp program, but they were like looking at me. They're like, yeah, I think you're fine. I, I totally skipped the <laughs> you, on-ramp. You get pro- a free pass. Yeah, so I totally I totally missed like the two-week like on-ramp program. Didn't have to deal with that and just kind of like went with it. They're like, okay, you just kind of, you know, I'll I'll show you the ropes and all that stuff. And so that's, that's pretty much how I learned pretty much on the fly in YouTube channels. It's crazy that literally everything is on the internet. Even mm-hmm. to this day, if there's something that I'm doing at the gym and I see it written in my programming and I'm like, oh, that's like, worded different or maybe it's a new movement for whatever reason there's always a youtube link it's of amazing course. what's on the internet <laughs> yeah it's insane um so what what was the thing that like kind of made you stick with it because like obviously like you know you might be suffering like the first like week and stuff like that so like what was the one thing that kind of made you think okay like i i can keep doing this for like a long period of time i was so bad that's <laughs> what got me to stick around <laughs> I was so bad. And quite honestly, I just, I will never forget how bad I was at pull-ups. I had no pulling strength. Like it was not even existent. My background Mm -hmm. was in competitive dance. So I always had like good, strong, muscular legs. And it was, I had a lot of lower body strength, but the upper body strength, it just was not there. Mm -hmm. So when I was watching these other athletes, in my affiliate doing pull-ups and 
push-ups and handstand push-ups and walking on their hands and all of these movements. I was just like, okay, I have so many things that I want to do. Uh, I'll probably never leave. Like there's not (laughs) enough time in my life to get all of these skills. And it was just really like the want to be better and really push to see what my athletic capabilities are into my twenties and now thirties. Mm-hmm. Now, do you, every year, do you have like a kind of like the new year, like, okay, I want to work on like this thing, or do you have like a special time frame that you kind of want to get like certain things? Yeah, I would say like after the CrossFit games season, um, which, which is very short for me, mm-hmm. <laughs> I make it through the open and then I make it um, through quarterfinals, but then quarterfinals is is really the end game for me I'll, I'll I'm not good enough to um advance past that mm-hmm. uh, nor do I do I have the time to train the way that these athletes are who make it to semifinals um but I would say that after each like competitive year for myself I look at what I have grown on through the past year. And I try to see, okay, what have we really um, succeeded at this past calendar year? Are any of those skills something that I still want to keep working on? Or Mm -hmm. are there other skills that I also want to drive up? Um, I love the weightlifting part of CrossFit that for me, that's the most fun Mm -hmm. um, is seeing your numbers go up it just getting stronger but there's also something about like getting done with a workout and like feeling like hot garbage but also <laughs> like yeah <laughs> but also knowing that wow i feel like less hot garbage because my engine feels so good this year mm-hmm. yeah totally totally agree i i think every like average crossfitter is all about the weightlifting they love that kind of stuff because they, they want to see like the big numbers like you said before like the big yeah. big list and they like you know even like a, a like a one pound pr is still like a huge feat for some people for sure the other day i hit five pounds under my one rm snatch and I was celebrating because I was like, oh my God, I, I've only hit that number like once, maybe twice in my life. And mm-hmm. I just hit it on a random Tuesday yeah. after like coming back from all of like traveling and sleeping all over the place. So I was like, wow, that was pretty cool. Like that felt like a great training day for me. Yeah. It's amazing. Like how you can feel like, you know, when you wake up, like, cause I, I'm an early morning person. Like I work out at 5.00 AM. And so, um, oh wow. That is yeah, really de- dedication. <laughs> that, cause that's all I can do. Cause like I can't yeah, do it in the afternoons because of the kids. And then like, it's just, mm-hmm. yeah, this is the only time I can do it anyway. Um, but like you, you don't feel like you're going to be lifting really good. And then all of a sudden you're like, all right, let, let me just try it. And then you hit it. You're like, holy, did I really hit this? Like, this is insane. Right. It's crazy. Like how your body reacts to like, you know, amping yourself up just to get that lift. When the stars align, there's, there's honestly no better feeling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that was me today. So, um, I followed the misfit program and so they had, they had us do like a snatch complex. So like the first three minutes you do, um, you know, from the hips snatch below the knee mm-hmm. snatch at a full one snatch. And then after that you go above the knee for the next three rounds. And then the next three rounds after that you go below the knee. And so I was like, okay, I'll, I feel okay, but I'm like, let's screw it. Just do it. And so I tried two thirty for like a, 
hang snatch below the knee and I hit it and I was just like oh yeah let's go and I was like <laughs> I, I caught it I stood it up and then I dropped it and then like I literally like I it's I just posted on Instagram like just recently and I literally looked down and I'm like 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 well, this is insane like just how, is this, that. how is this possible <laughs> so yeah it's insane like what, what you could do like even if you feel like hot garbage sometimes right it's amazing what the body can do and, and then like on the other end of the spectrum how you could be feeling great, 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 great. And then mm -hmm. one day you're just like, I'm not hitting anything even close to my percentages. So it, it's fun to watch how it can really go both ways. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're the coach at, at your, at your box. So what kind of made you get your L1, um, to coach it, coach at your gym? You know, it's funny because my parents were always surprised that I didn't get it sooner. And, I would say that it it's kind of weird how life leads you in the mm -hmm. path without you knowing it's leading you in the path, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, I think subconsciously, I always knew that I wanted to be a coach. Even growing up, um, my mom owns a dance studio. I was a competitive dancer. I would, you know, coach for her all the time um, when I moved around when I worked in local television, I also found dance studios that I would help coach at. So there was always that like passion for inspiring and teaching and having this um, like outlet to express myself mm -hmm. in a, a teaching role. But it wasn't until how long have I been coaching now? Maybe two years when I finally got my L1 and it was after I left um, the TV biz that I finally was like, you know what, this is a great opportunity to just go do it now, mm -hmm. whether I use it and actually coach at my affiliate or if I just do it for myself. It was just something that I really wanted to do. And I mean, I think anybody in the space should go get their L1 because that weekend is just a really cool opportunity and you're in this really interesting environment with these like-minded people that all have a passion for just learning more about CrossFit and the mm -hmm. seminar staff, they're so well educated and just the way they move, it it really is like they were picked perfectly for that position <laughs> because you're looking at them and you're like, dang, how is their mobility like that? And then you go to do the same movement and you're like, oh yeah, I don't look like the instructor today. <laughs> yeah. You, you hear like your bones, your like joints creaking and stuff like that. You're right. like, Ur. Like, oh gosh, I forgot to lose. Does it anybody today. have more fish oil? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so um I always I always talk to like all the coaches that uh coach CrossFit. So uh, obviously like every other one has like a different style of coaching. So what what's your style of coaching? Oh, my style of coaching, I like to be super hands-on. Mm -hmm. And I would say that I try to make my language as most tangible as possible because I try to think of when I was in my first yep. week of CrossFit and that's kind of how I coach, um, across the board. I know a couple of people who are like a little bit more competitive and can maybe use an extra cue that I wouldn't give the entire class. Mm -hmm. But if anything, I try to keep things super basic and just talk to the members as if they were trying to talk to me and coach me. Sometimes I need the same exact cue, but in 
a different um, analogy or maybe just different language. And I try to find what works for each person. Um, and I mean, I coach the 815 class and we have, I mean, it's truly the best hour of my day. And I hope mm -hmm. that the members feel that way too, because between what we learn as athletes in the class, but also what we learn about each other. I feel like these people are honestly my extended family. The relationships I've been able to build in this class are ones that like I get excited in the morning to go and see the class That's awesome. and coach the class yeah. and help them achieve these goals. So it's, it's a really cool environment to be in. Yeah. So what are, what are some, what are like, a, like maybe two cues that you use that kind of like, that like you have, that you tell them like to like, oh, okay, now I understand it. Okay, let me think of one. Um, Well, so I also do our foundations. So anybody that's new to CrossFit, I have them come in. Um, And one that was just always super tangible to me is when I was learning the two Olympic lifts, the snatch and the clean, I always got confused on the hand placement. I'm like, this one is like weird and it's like wide and I don't know why our hands are like this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then the other one is like close. So the one that I use for clean, close grip, the letter C. So I try to think of like things like that, that relate to know where to put your hands. Yep. Um, <laughs> when I'm teaching like hip drills on how to use like the hip explosion, I'll give them like the PVC pipe and I'll just have them lean forward. I'm like, okay, now make the PVC pipe fly across the room. And then everybody's hips come forward and we try to see like whose PVC pipe can go the furthest, like <laughs> who has the biggest hip explosion. So just little like cheeky, fun things like that, that makes sense in my mind because yeah. I know that sometimes I'm not the easiest person to coach because mm -hmm. sometimes things just don't make sense to me unless I can like relate it with real life scenarios. Yeah. I, one of the things I like to use, like, especially when they do like the, it's like an overhead press pretty much. So mm -hmm. I always say, just think of a pigeon. So every time they walk, their head goes back and forth, back and forth. So the bars on your shoulders, your head's back. And then when it's oh, up in the air, I like head that. Through. So that's, I, I always like, I always yell like, like when this is when I was personal training too, I always yell like pigeon. Mm -hmm. And then like people were like, oh, okay. So I head back and forth, head back. <laughs> now and they then, get it. And then um, the other one is like Miley Cyrus. So like, like, let's just say if they're doing like a Romanian deadlift or like something like that. Like I say Miley Cyrus, so like, you know how she twerks, just keep your ass back, you know? Oh yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> so I was like, do that. And then, uh, and then like another one is like King Kong. So when they deadlift, pretty much like keep their chest up. Cause like, you know, King Kong gets pissed off. He yeah. Pissed yeah. Off. Yeah. So that, that's like, those are some of the cues I used to use like all the time with my, with my, with my clients. They, they, they loved it. So, and they always remember it too. Right. Because they're fun mm -hmm. and people will remember humor and things that are fun like that. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I was, I, I was doing a little research on you. I actually looked at your LinkedIn profile. <laughs> oh so, no. Does that still exist? Yes, it does actually. <laughs> Um, so, uh, you, so I saw, noticed that you were a sideline reporter in Connecticut and then you did some like smaller, um, I, I don't know if you call it like smaller deck like, news channels, like local, like local news in yeah. like Illinois, Wisconsin. And then now what well, were prior in Syracuse. So, um, what kind of made you get into that field? So I went to school for sports broadcasting. So in, in my heart, I always knew that I wanted to do sports 
And I had some like incredible opportunities in college uh, to do stuff where I was um, sideline reporting for hockey and basketball and football and doing all of these interviews and really trying to build my portfolio. Then graduation happened. I applied for several jobs and about only four of the 200 jobs I applied for were in sports. There just weren't really any openings. Mm -hmm. So my advisors had advised me to, hey, just apply for news jobs as well. Like that can get your foot in the local affiliate and you can try to help out the sports department. Maybe a position opens up and that's a great segue to already be at the station mm -hmm. and maybe they'll, you know, change, change courses for you. That never really happened. I helped shoot like Friday night um, football for high school at a couple of my first jobs and I would help the sports departments. Um where I saw fit, where whatever would really help them. But there just was never really a segue to be a full-time sports reporter. Mm -hmm. Honestly, it worked out better because um, I think what a lot of people don't know is that at these really small TV stations, yes, you're covering football and basketball and hockey and all of the fun sports, but you're also covering the... I don't want to say lesser sports, but maybe the the less popular sports or maybe the sports that you're not necessarily interested about. Mm -hmm. And you have to know just as much about those sports as you do about the popular ones. And I knew that I did not have the passion in me to learn about these other sports. So I think it all worked out. And I truly did love news. Um, what I loved about it was being able to tell community stories and um like small business owner stories like mm -hmm. if a new local restaurant pops up i would love to go and feature the um the the owners and what is their story and what inspires them and talk to some of the customers and do stories like that but the further along my career got the less opportunity there was to really tell those stories is what i was realizing that the better job market I made it to, the harder hitting news you were expected to tell. And for a little bit, I thought maybe that's what I wanted, that mm -hmm. I wanted to be a hard hitting journalist and, you know, sit in um, the round table debates before the elections. Then you work one presidential election and you either realize you love it or you hate it. And I realized very quickly that I hated it yeah there was nothing in my heart and soul that wanted to talk to politicians or talk to people waiting outside to vote and listening to them you know stand on their on their the top of the ladder and talk about why they're voting for x and it just it, it for me it just wasn't genuine anymore mm -hmm. it, it wasn't coming from my soul um and eventually it just the the cons weighed out the pros for me. Yeah. So and I don't know how those people can like talk about politics like all the time. Like I would go bananas like like when we were watching like YouTube videos and stuff like that, like, yeah. like especially in Georgia, like the Raphael Warnocks and, and uh, Herschel Walker ones came out. And mm -hmm. it's just like, oh, my God, this like I had to press mute because 
I don't want my kids to hear it. And it was just like right. all the time. It was just like nonstop. You're like, just give me a day. Just give me a day during the, like, <laughs> just, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. It's, it's, and it's like so hard. And it's just like, I don't know how these talking heads like just talk about politics like, all the time. It's just like, I don't know how they'd probably be drinking every night. Oh, they, they have to be. And, and the problem with it is that I got into journalism and I wanted to, I wanted to be fair and balanced. Mm -hmm. I didn't want anybody to ever know my opinion. I thought even telling my parents who I voted for in the election was like against my moral compass. <laughs> like you are yeah. a journalist. Nobody can know. Nobody can ever find out. And it was so weird because it was like all of a sudden everybody in the newsroom is talking about who they're voting for. And I'm, I remember like sitting at my desk, just thinking this is like, I thought that, that as journalists, we don't talk about this. Like we're not supposed to, we're supposed mm -hmm. to be neutral. And it was just like, even if I did love it, which I didn't, I felt like the one part of me that wanted to be this like neutral journalist there just wasn't really a space for it anymore yeah and yeah, like that I felt really that. sad yeah so was that the thing that kind of broke the camel's back that you didn't want to do it anymore or i mean it was between like having to report on politics was just of no interest to me um it was in the middle of the pandemic so you can imagine how many um just like sad, depressing stories. Like every day was depressing. If I'm being completely honest, I remember mm -hmm. one day I left work after interviewing a mother whose 11 month old baby was shot and killed. Ugh. And then I'm going to the gym and trying to start my workout. And I'm like, I don't need, I don't even know how to like leave this. I don't know how to get this really sad, heart-wrenching interview out of my head. So it was just, my life wasn't really happy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, you know, like I was trying to be passionate about my job, but it was just, there was too many things that, that outweighed the, the good that I could give to my, my craft. Yeah. That, that was kind of like me. Cause like I, I spent 12 years in the medical field and like, it was all emergency room based. So like, oh my gosh, yeah. I, like I when I when I was living in Massachusetts, I worked in Boston, their ER. I was there during the Boston Marathon bombing, like working there. Oh my god! And so then oh, when we when we moved, chills. and so like um we had like, I think it was like thirty or like fifty people that came in at once, and like obviously it was just like a, a nightmare. And but like you know whatever, like you kind of deal with it. And like me being in the military, I was like seven years Air Force in the medical field with that, and then kind of seeing all these. Like, you know, um, coming off the plane, like, you know, I, IED explosion, like people that get mm -hmm. like their limbs blown off and stuff. And then the one thing that kind of broke me was working at the children's hospital in Atlanta. So you would see like, and like how I kind of got away with it is like not thinking about these people that passed away, especially the adults is one of the guys at the gym is like, Hey, you might want to consider these people as an arcade game, like not real wow because like if you're really thinking of like if you're really seeing these people and like just thinking about them like later on just think of it as an arcade like they, it's just like you're playing a game they pass on and like and that's it and then the one thing that broke that one thing that was like getting a little too stressful was like with the kids 
So I yeah. would see like like three months old getting smothered to death and like in like all, like like assaults, like abuse, like all this mm-hmm. stuff, like traumas, like you know, parents that don't have car seats and so they put their like two year old in a normal seatbelt and they just like fly all over oh. the place in a car. Like, you know, the, like I used to tell my wife like all the stories that I've 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 actually seen and like you know witnessed and she's like there's mm-hmm. no way no way and I'm like no this is this is legit and so it's like it it kind of gets stressful and, I, and like you still like you still see people like people's faces of when you do CPR on them or especially with the kids mm-hmm. too but like and like kids that like dying of cancer and it's just like how is this fair you know and so that right. was that was kind of like a little bit too much and plus like. I was working every other weekend too. And like, it was just not working it with the family. So that's, that was another reason too. But yeah, I, I always thought yeah. like what's like stressful situations or anything like that just think of it as like kind of like an arcade game and just once it's over, it's done with. Well, and it's sad because I even think of, I mean, the amount of homicides that I would be reporting on and I would sit in a live truck for four hours, Mm -hmm. like waiting to talk to the police, like like I can't even count the amount and you just become so desensitized to it. And it's like, yep, just just another day, like I'm eating a sandwich in a car while somebody is dead in front of a house and you it's sad how you just shut those feelings off and it just becomes normal and it it's so weird. It's so yeah. weird to like, think of those moments in hindsight now, because like now I see that out in the news and I'm like, Oh my God, this is terrible. But then when I was the anchor, I wasn't thinking, Oh my God, this is terrible. I was like, Nope, this is my job. This is my script to read. And we are continuing on. It's, it's so strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you, since you like left the, the whole like news and like the media, do you see, do you see it differently now that you saw it? Like when you were working in there? Um, yes and no. I still feel like since I worked in it, I definitely have a peek behind the curtain that most people like don't see. I I do believe that there are still good journalists that want to tell a fair and balanced story. I do believe that that's out there, but unfortunately with the companies that you work for, they're the ones that are driving the narrative and Mm -hmm. it, I mean, they're the ones that write your paycheck. So at some point it's like, all right, you're either unemployed or you read the script and you try to rewrite the scripts so that they are balanced. And then last minute, somebody else goes in and changes it. And it's like, man, you just, you just want to tell the facts. Yeah. (laughs) But sometimes that's not what comes out of your mouth at the last possible second. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, um, when did, when did morning chalk up come about like it, I know it was probably like after your contract was over. So like, how did you get involved with get involved with that team? So it's funny. I actually started writing for them before my TV contract was up. <laughs> okay. Um, and, and it's funny because a television contract is is basically you're signing your life away in in blood. They are very binding contracts, and that's why if you see somebody actually get out of the TV biz and already have another job lined up, honestly, the stars aligned for them because that normally does not happen Mm -hmm. because of just the language in your contracts and the way that, that they end. That's a different story. But, um, so while I was still in, in the TV world, um, I had reached out to morning chalk up 
uh, and basically asked if I could start writing for them. Like, hey, my TV contract is coming up in, I was like between six and eight months. I really don't want to re-sign this contract. I'm looking mm -hmm. to get out permanently. Do you have some kind of work I can do? So I started writing for them um, part-time. It was CrossFit, so I didn't feel like it was a conflict of interest. But I think if I asked for permission for my TV job, they might have thought otherwise. Yeah, that's <laughs> so what I was thinking. Yeah, we just we just didn't talk about it and never crossed paths. So whatever. Um, and then I finally my contract came up in May of 2021. Um, I was still writing for morning chalk up part-time, but I was essentially unemployed for about a month and a half before mm -hmm. I then actually started working full-time at my affiliate. So I was coaching there. I was doing their social media, um, really any kind of odd end jobs that could help me collect a paycheck so I yep. could continue to pay my mortgage. Um, and then, at some point in time, I started just doing YouTube interviews. And it's so weird because I, when I had left television, I said, I'm never going on camera again. I'm done with this. I just kind of want to wipe my hands clean of this type of like profession, lifestyle, mm -hmm. et cetera. And it was one of my coworkers at the time, Patrick Clark. He was the one that was kind of like nagging me, but in like a good <laughs> friend way, like, mm -hmm. hey, I really think you should do this. I think you're good at this. And I'm just like, Patrick, leave me alone. Like, I don't want to do this. And then finally, after the hundredth time that he said you should do this, I finally was like, OK, whatever. Like, let me interview a couple of athletes. And then, I mean, within five minutes of the first interview, I was like, this is what I need to do. Mm -hmm. I love this. This is great. This is my passion. And then from there, I just kept doing YouTube interviews. Um, I took over the bottom line and tried to be a little bit more creative with it and really expand um, my Rolodex by going to some of these events and um, utilizing other members on the team who had already built some relationships. And really from there, I just it just felt so seamless. Like I felt like I was finally in a job that my passion professionally and mm -hmm. personally was, was there. It was just, it was just a genuine love for what I was doing. Yeah. And you don't really consider that a job. You just think of it as kind of like it's a hobby. Right. Well, it, well it's, it's still weird to me that I get paid to make YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> It's just so strange, especially when I come from this very um, cookie cutter local TV news background where now when I try to explain my job to people like in their mind, they're like, oh, you left TV to make YouTube videos. But they just obviously don't get <laughs> yeah, it yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> because when you say it like that, it does. It sounds very strange, but it's just it's so much fun. Like it doesn't matter that sometimes I don't sleep during event weekends because I'm genuinely loving what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, and obviously it's like uh, YouTube's a little different than like your local media stuff. So did you get like nervous in the first like couple episodes of like, okay, you know, is the stream going okay? Is like all my stuff working? <laughs> like, like what, what was, what was going on? Like with the whole setup? Well, so I guess I didn't realize how often I would call 
the engineers at the TV station, <laughs> because if you have technical problems, you just pick up the phone, you call the engineer, they come over and they help you within 30 seconds. Now I am my own engineer mm -hmm. and I'm realizing how much I don't know. Like a lot of it is fake it till you make it. Like, is this microphone oh, working? Yeah, I don't know course, if it's yeah. connected to the right thing. Like <laughs> is, yeah. I've got a couple of different like cameras, like which one is connected and my Wi-Fi. I've had to upgrade my Wi-Fi connection and then get an Ethernet cable and all of these things that I mean, I never thought that I would have to learn. And you just kind of figure it out as you go. I'm sure you, you probably know the same thing. It's like oh, oh, yeah. you do it a couple of oh, yeah. times and then you upgrade the equipment and you figure out what streaming services work and. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so for me, the first, like, I think it was like the first eight months, all I used was my cell phone and two lapel mics. <laughs> yes. So I literally, I, <laughs> I literally had a lapel mic on me and then I used, I was using my, my former like employees computer and I did like, like uh, I did, I was using zoom on that and literally, like, yeah. I literally was doing the interview on an ironing board and I put the lapel mic like clipped it to the irony board to write it what the speaker was press record. And like, <laughs> and the thing was like the app I was using, you only had an hour to record somebody. Right, 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 right. Before and, and it kicks you off. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, you're like trying to like, you're like looking at the time. Like it's like, you're literally like looking at the, the, uh, the, you know, your phone being like, Oh crap, I got five minutes and I have like 10 more questions to ask them. But like, yeah. Yep. So, um, <laughs> But I started doing that, and then you know Scott was a huge help from Clydesdale uh, Fitness and Friends, yeah. Clydesdale Media. Now, um, he's like, I'm like, hey, what do I need to do to like upgrade my stuff? And he's like, get a mixer, and I'm like, okay. Mm. And then like I bought a microphone, and then you know it was just kind of like slowly working my way up. And then for Christmas last year, I got the GoPro uh, GoPro 10, so I'm using that as a camera right now. And like, and like, and now I have like all these lights and you know, the, the blue lights and it's just right. like, I love it. it. It's a sick hobby, sick hobby. So, um, <laughs> but it's like, you always want to get like the newest gear and you're like, oh, this stuff's so sick. And like, right, you're like because then you watch like somebody else's like YouTube or listen to somebody else's podcast and you're like, wow, their voice sounds so crisp. Like what microphone are they using? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you know, I want to get this like big computer screen and like these, all these big cameras and like more of like a better mm -hmm. background or like a backdrop or something like that. So it's just like my wheels are always churning every single time. And even like doing like live streams too. Cause like, I know yeah. you, I know you guys mainly just do recordings and then, then post it after, but like, I'm always like kind of like interested in maybe doing live streams. But then my problem is yeah. like, what happens if like, you know, you're, you're lagging or I'm lagging and there's like a huge pause and it's just like, I'm, I'm, I'm always petrified with that. Cause at least like if they're recorded, I can edit it and then like, just take that, take that part out and then kind of go from there. Right. Honestly, like a big, well, a couple of reasons why we do more recordings than going live. Um, one is because we have like a, a release schedule mm -hmm. and we try to like release them the same time, which I suppose you could do if you did it live. Yeah. Um, but, but also, yeah, it, I mean, going live doesn't bother me in, in any way. I mean, I've been going live for the last decade of my life, <laughs> but it's the technology mm -hmm. that scares me. I can't, I can't rely on it. I just can't rely on the streams. <laughs> no, no. And now, now my zoom, like I, it won't update. And so now it like sends the folder mm -hmm. to like mm -hmm. another area. And I'm like, I'm trying to update it. And I'm like, I got everything's updated on my computer. Like, what's the deal? Like what's, what's going on? But it just, I don't know. Like 
I'm like leaving Google searching it and stuff like that. And it's just like, ah, forget it. I'll just keep it as is, I guess, and just wait till something happens and I'll fix it. Right, exactly. Or that we can find a YouTube video that gives us all of the answers that we're looking for. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Um, so while when you do like the podcast, like recordings on YouTube and stuff like that, do you um, do you have like certain guests you want on at a certain time? Or like, how, how does that work for you guys? Because I know you have like Dex Hopkins on a couple times and then like you have other people on as well. So how mm -hmm. does how does that work? Yeah, so uh, so Dex works as a contractor for, for us now. So he's a more regular guest, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we also have Joey Aducci who recently came on as one of our, um, like new writers and sports analysts. So I'll, I'll utilize them for a lot of like sports specific content. Yep. When I'm thinking of different episodes for the bottom line, it really is just, I'll come up with the topic and then I'll think of first, like a category of what types of voices do we want? on this episode? Am I looking for a coach? Am I looking for a manager, an athlete? And then once I narrow it down to, uh, like that category, mm -hmm. then I'll basically just start reaching out to connections that I have with people. Or at this point, I have like an idea of guests that do bounce off of each other really well. So I'll try to like pair people up that way. Mm -hmm. But honestly, a lot of it just comes down to people's availability. Yeah, true. Yeah. See, I, it's same with me when I do the touch and go gang, like podcast. It's like, Hey, yep. <laughs> you available this day? Nope. Okay. Let's figure another day. So, right. Right. And then like, there's some people that can't make it on that day, which is like, fine. We got like, like literally four people on at once. So it's just like, okay, one person can be like, you know, not there. It's perfectly fine. Right. Honestly, most of my job, I would say is just scheduling. Yeah. <laughs> like that is what takes up the bulk of my day is scheduling. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, I, I hear you. So, um, do you would you want like some of your you know your hosts um that are on the podcast um to like kind of push the push the envelope a little bit or do you think they're like a little too scared to kind of like you know maybe ruin somebody's like a relationship with that person they were talking about you know it, it kind of depends who the guest is i know which guests will kind of tout the line of controversy mm -hmm. <laughs> so to speak um I would say it's interesting because I've developed like such strong relationships with most of the guests that I have on. Yep. And it's like, if I'm kind of just shooting the shit and like texting them about something, I get one version of them and then they come on the show and sometimes they're a little bit yep. more filtered. And, and in the back of my head, I'm like, come on, why won't you say what you texted me? Like You were just literally dropping <laughs> F-bombs like five minutes ago. What's wrong with you? So. Right. And, and by no means am I looking for the show to be this like huge argumentative episode with no solutions. That's like one of my biggest things is if you're going to make an argument for something, I want you to have like a solution or an idea to make the situation better. Um, but I would say people people are a little more filtered once yes. you hit record mm -hmm. than they are when you're just openly chatting with them Absolutely. which i get this is such like a small space that everybody is really trying to be careful with their brand their mm -hmm. name who they associate um themselves with and nobody wants to you know step on any toes or burn any bridges because the the space is too small to burn bridges yeah um but sometimes i wish people would you know 
just just be a little more fiery. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hear you. I hear you. So do you, one other question I had that, um, what do you think, what would you like to see in um, the people that do CrossFit media that nobody else is doing? <laughs> what? Oh, that's. Well, I, I think it's interesting because I think there is so much room for expanding the sport mm -hmm. from like the media sense. I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example. It, it would be so easy for CrossFit media or media of CrossFit or a different company. I mean, it, it's basically what I'm doing right now at events. I shoot, I produce, I edit, I write, I voice, I get everything together of these like five to eight minute recap shows of the a day of the whole day. And I'm telling you, they are by no means perfect. There are no means like even 50% of what like my actual vision is, but that's because I'm just one person. Yeah. If you had somebody who was dedicated to shooting the event and then somebody who's dedicated to writing the script of like the play by play and like researching um stats on athletes and doing like that stuff and then you have another person who's then editing everything together like if you had a whole production team putting together these cool little like highlight reels of days of competition i mean this could seriously be espn level quality mm -hmm. yeah, i'm absolutely. trying to provide that <laughs> <laughs> but i know it's very very much short of what like my actual vision of something like that is. And I think that there's also room, like I love the documentaries that they do of the games every year, but I think that there's such a big opportunity to do more little nuggets of that throughout the year and doing them of these like smaller athletes. Yes. Like, like the bubble athletes, mm -hmm. or I, I want you to go interview and follow along for the whole year, the athletes that just missed qualifying start their story as like the heartbreak of semifinals when they didn't qualify. And that's where their story begins and then follow them throughout the whole year. I think that those could turn into like, just it, like the, the emotional, like heartstrings that you would feel with the community through stories like that. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. We love to hear the Brent Fakowski stories, the Mal O'Brien stories, like the, the power hitter stories. Of course, those are exciting, mm -hmm. but I think that there's other stories that could be even more relatable to um, a bigger population. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I hear you. I, Cause like that, actually that was great. Cause like, I knew there was a guy, um, his name was Chase Smith. He was like part of the Northeast region for a while. Now he's down in Texas, mm -hmm. but he was like, I think the, the squat clean, like double under and toes of our workout, like back in the, uh, I forgot what year it was. I mean, if Tommy Marquez would know this in a heartbeat, but, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but like he was third overall in the world. And then, and then when wow. he was at, when he was at the regionals, this is when the, um, the, the, uh, the ring dips, Workout oh yeah happened. when people so, were blowing yeah. their pecs so he was right next to matt fraser and he blew his pack out like so bad like he was out for like the whole year pretty much and so like now he's trying to get back into crossfit and kind of make like a legit run 
at it and he didn't make it towards like he was he was at regionals not well not regionals he was at uh i think was where was he at the syndicate crown this year and he didn't like really do that well because like he didn't really have that much experience after like you know after he pulled his pack out blew his pack out because he had to go work another job you know that stuff and kind of hearing that kind of stories would be kind of interesting well well even i think of uh emma carey yeah we've heard almost nothing from from emma carey since she mm -hmm. hurt her back last year has anybody been following her is anybody doing a little mini doc on her like that's that's what i want to watch like yeah. i'm genuinely curious um and i'm excited to see her when she comes back because she was so incredible um as a teen and then even watching her and mal at, at granite games two years ago um yeah those are like some of the stories that i would really like to see yeah so do you think the people the re reason why they don't, we don't have many of those stories is because people want to kind of hide what's going on and then like kind of realize like kind of wait towards like the games or like a competition then like you know have something come out I think it's I think it's a couple of things. I mean, we could sit here and say like all of the wonderful things that we we want to see, but it <laughs> yeah. also um you would have to hire probably a bigger staff. There needs mm -hmm. to be bodies to go shoot these things and I know even from the little travel that I've done so far that traveling um to even just like following an athlete and the man hour and time that goes into that, I'm seeing a lot of dollar signs. So I get that it's not just like a quick fix. But I do also think that a little bit of it is on the athletes and how close they want to keep those cards to their chest. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting with CrossFit because there's relatively no other sport where athletes can kind of create their own narrative. Like if you go up to Aaron Rodgers and you're like, hey, I'm going to shoot this mini doc on you um, and these are like the media um, requirements that you have. He'll sign a contract and he knows that that's just like the expectation. Mm -hmm. We don't really have that. Like I, I think of even when athletes come off of the floor at a competition and I stick my camera in their face, they absolutely can say no to me. There is nothing that says that they have to give me an interview. I'm lucky that nine times out of 10 <laughs> they do. Mm -hmm. But other sports, the players come off of the field and certain ones are brought over to the media and it's just like an expectation. We don't have that. It's kind of like the hunger games and it's a free for all. And <laughs> it's like, it, it really is. It's this very like strange environment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I hear you. I, I definitely, it is, is a very unique environment, which is, you know, pretty cool to see maybe, you know, the, in the media space, since there's more and more people going into coming into the media space that will actually mm. blow up and then help other people out. I mean, Speaking of which, Tudor Magda, like I said, like talked to you earlier for, he's never done a podcast and I was his first one. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I, I still like pinch myself. I'm like, are you really like, this is your really your first one? Cause like people are nervous and stuff like that. And they think they mm -hmm. think, you know, they listen to other podcasts and they're like, oh, like this guy, this, this, this person's like really intense. And I don't know if I can handle that. And they just, you know, or like other people and stuff. And so they're just like, yeah. I, I think I'm going to pass, but then like, they just need to open up and like they want to get their brand out and so unfortunately kind of like podcasting is the one of the only ways to do it really right because it, we also have to remember that none of these athletes have any type of formal media training nope uh, zero so they're just as nervous as maybe you and i were when we 
conducted our first interview. Yeah. Everybody's kind of learning as we go. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so we're getting close to the end, but um, I was, uh, like I said, I was scrolling back on LinkedIn and uh, you, you, you've <laughs> we been go back to that. <laughs> yes, we go back to that. So it's always LinkedIn. Um, that is an actually, <laughs> that, that is an absolute dumpster fire of a social media platform. But anyway, we'll just leave it as that. Um, but you've, you've been to a couple, you've traveled a lot in college. Yeah, I I was very lucky. I spent one semester abroad mm -hmm. in Namibia, which is all the way south to the west of Africa, right next to South Africa. And I just really took six months to just travel. I mean, I took a couple classes here and there and got some college credit, but it was mostly, you know, travel and see the world. And um, then I took a photography class in India and then I did a mission trip in El Salvador. So I really like took a lot of good travel opportunities when I was in college. But man, I I love to travel. There's something so fascinating to me about going somewhere that you know little to nothing about. Mm -hmm. And also like with no one, like all of those trips, well, bes besides the photography class, but the other trips... I didn't know anybody that I was traveling with. I kind of just went by myself and it teaches you to learn about yourself and learn about others and yep. embrace the culture, which is, which is so fun. Yeah. And, um, you've also gone to a couple of places, uh, working for morning chalk up too, as well. So what, what has been like some of your favorite places that you've been to since working with them? Oh man, I, it's so funny with all of my travel, I had never been to Europe until this okay. past fall. Um, I went to Madrid for the Madrid uh, CrossFit championship and that was a really cool experience. I, it, it was booked very, very last minute. So <laughs> I did not explore as much as I would have liked to. Mm -hmm. Um, but most recently I went to Dubai and holy cow, you see pictures online. It does not do it justice. You drive down this strip and I'm telling you, you look up and the architecture, you, you quite literally feel like you're in some kind of like futuristic movie mm -hmm. because the architecture is just so unique and like nothing I've ever seen before. Yeah. I've always seen like the tallest skyscraper, even like with like the F1 championship, F1, like, you know, documentary yeah. they had like in Dubai and it's just like, you're looking around. It's like, it's insane. Even like <laughs> Craig Ritchie's like vlog that he does when he went to Dubai yep. and he like videotapes it. It's like, gosh, it's like so insane. It's, it's crazy. It doesn't even feel real. It's no. wild. No, <laughs> no. Uh, are you looking to go back there again or what's the, I know it's not till next year, but yeah, I definitely think that it'll be, um, a returning location. Okay. Okay. So are you, yeah. are you going to Wadapalooza this year too? I will. And believe it or not, this will be my first time to Wadapalooza. Okay. I'm so pumped. I mean, I've, I've been, no, I've never I haven't been. been to Miami. You've never been. Oh, come on. Book your trip now. I can't. I, well, I don't know if I can do it now. It's a little late, but I've been to Miami and it's, yeah. it's expensive. Like just ready, get ready to drop some coin. So. Oh boy. Okay. I'll start. I'll start saving. Maybe I'll ask for, um, more gift cards for Christmas <laughs> that I can use in Miami. Yeah. I'll, I'll send you one. So <laughs> <laughs> 
for my $20 burrito on the strip. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But like I I've always every time I go watch Waterpalooza, it's like I always get FOMO because there's like mm -hmm. so many things you could do there. And it's like all like the athletes are there and they're and it's mainly like for them just to have fun. And it's not like, you know, right. a winning spot to get into the games or anything like that, like back in the day. But it's like it's cool just seeing the teams and then like the individuals and then like the adaptive athletes and then like the, you know, intermediates and then scales like pretty much like anybody or anybody can yeah just it's a fitness it. party yeah which is so <laughs> cool and it's like seeing from like its infancy to now it's insane like how much it blew up yeah i'm so excited for this one especially the more people i talk to people are like i prefer wadapalooza to the games i've heard that from so many people and i've been to the games since 2017 yeah, and I love the games. I love everything about the games. Maybe not the stress of the games, but mm -hmm. <laughs> I love the games. So to to see something that tops that, I would say maybe because it's in Miami and obviously like on the beach, that will probably elevate it for me. And because it's in January, so mm -hmm. I'm getting away from snow. I think that in itself, <laughs> yeah, is very exciting. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Yeah, I, I would love to go down, but it's just. Right now, it's not in the cards, so whatever. It, it happens. But um, anyway, so I have some rapid-fire questions, but they're really not rapid. Oh, they're they are not rapid-fire. You could take as long as you want on all these questions. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> so um, obviously, like, we have, like, a couple weeks away till, you know, 2023. So um, do you have any goals that you want to get, like, hit in 2023? It could be either be, like, personal or business mm -hmm. or, like, you know, fitness-wise. Oh, I would say fitness wise, I would like to get more consistent mm -hmm. with, with my training, just with the way that like all of the travel I've been having for work, I've really been struggling with, um, consistency, especially like during those trips. So that's one of my goals to be really intentional about even just doing a, push up, sit up, air squat workout in the hotel. If that's what I have to do, I need mm -hmm. to be better about doing some kind of fitness and not just saying holding my camera is, is my arm workout for the day. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say that's my goal for fitness. Um, personally, I would say my goal for like personal stuff is I want to be more intentional about setting specific time for friends and family. Mm -hmm. I want to have, whether it's like going to dinner with friends once a month or making like every other Sunday is family time, which like I kind of do now, but sometimes with travel like that falls through the cracks. So I would say that's kind of my personal goal. Um, my professional goal is um, I have a couple of ideas in the works that I'm trying to get off the ground right now. Mm -hmm. So those are TBD for 2023, but okay. all right, that's fine. Always cooking on some things. Okay. All right. <laughs> like that. I like that. Um, so you, you have a tattoo. Um, so what I do, and it's your first one. So, uh, what's the reason why you got one and like, what's the meaning of it? Sure. So I've. I've kind of always wanted a tattoo, but when I worked in local TV, it was like very oh, taboo. No. Yeah, you can't do right. that. 
Un unless it's somewhere that nobody will ever see, you just don't do it. And for me, I'm like, I don't know, like getting a tattoo, it feels kind of weird to get it. And then nobody sees it. Mm -hmm. Like I kind of would, I kind of want it to be somewhere that is a little more forward facing. Um, so yeah, I got it, um, on my arm and it's live deliberately. And I just really believe in having a life of purpose and a life of intention. And I'm not somebody who believes in luck. I don't think that we just wind up in certain circumstances or mm -hmm. um, in certain like settings. And I really believe that through like living deliberately and through our intentions that we can build a really great life for yourself. Um, so that's what I want to do. I want to be able to look back on my life and know that, you know, I set myself up for the most amount of success that I could possibly do. Okay, cool. So, um, I, I have a real quick, funny tattoo story. So everyone, Ooh, like, I love it. <laughs> everyone at work, everyone at my old, like medical job, uh, ER job, we're like, they all have tattoos and stuff like that. And they're like, Oh, do you have a tattoo? And I don't, I don't have any tattoos. And so I'm like, yeah, um, I, I got my, I got two very stupid tattoos and because the reason why is supposedly you have to get a really stupid tattoo in the, the for your first one and then like then you have no problem getting other ones and so <laughs> and so and so i told them i'm like yeah i got one squirrel going up my leg and the other one going down with the nut in its mouth and it's like right at the underwear line and so <laughs> and so they're like <clears throat> wait do you really no no i don't i don't i don't have any of that <laughs> and so i'm like they're like you don't have that and i'm like because like i'm very like outgoing and like all all over the place pretty much and so yeah. i'm like yeah i i have it i got it like five years ago they're like pull your pants down and let me see it i'm like i'm not gonna show you at the children's hospital what's wrong with you and so oh, they're like my and god i had like at least five people going saying that i had like two squirrel tattoos on my leg for like <laughs> at least a month and like finally i'm like guess guys i don't i don't really don't have one i'm just joking around Oh, that's a great joke, especially that they asked you to pull your pants down at a children's hospital. Yeah, exactly. They're like, go, go in this room, pull your pants down. I'm like, I'm not doing that. No way. So <laughs> like, that sounds like an HR problem. <laughs> yes. Yes. I cannot do that. Sorry. Um, so um, the next rapid fire question. So um, what is your favorite book? Oh, my gosh. Wow. I don't know the last time that I've like thought about this. My favorite book yeah i'm glad this isn't rapid because i'm gonna need a minute to think about this <laughs> told, i told you they weren't gonna be rap rapid okay i'm trying to think of the last time that i like read a book for like enjoyment that wasn't i mean i i do read a lot of um like self-help mm -hmm. motivational type books and i do I do like those. One of the more recent ones that I read was um, The Four Agreements. Okay. Which that one was pretty good. Um, but I did used to read a lot of like romance novels like Jodie Picoult, her books. Um, I have no idea who that is, but I, I know romance books. Okay. So just like fun like you're on the beach a mm -hmm. nice romance novel um also like the harry potter series that's always got to be a classic for me i did read the books before i i watched the movies when i was very very young mm -hmm. 
The Obstacle is the Way. Okay. I really yeah. like that one. That is a more recent one. I know that didn't answer the question. I just gave you like three different ones. <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll take those. So um, real, I, I always tell this to like so, some of the guests, um, Screw It, Just Do It by Richard Branson. Is that a book? Yes, it's a real quick book. And it's like, I think Screw it's- Screw It, Just Do It. I like the yeah. title. So that that book pretty much paved the way to like me start doing the t-shirt company as well as the podcast. Oh, that's amazing. I love a good inspirational book that gets you going. Yeah, it, trust me. It, it did. Like I read that book and I'm like, screw it. Just do it. Just, just go, just go for it. <laughs> so, uh, cause like, you know, every, everyone waits, like we're like, there's the, everyone thinks there's like a right time to do stuff. And it's just like, there's never there's a right, never time. right time yeah, for anything. Yeah. Just, just <laughs> go ahead and do it. Like even with the t-shirts, I was always like, I have the designs out and everything ready to go. And I'm like, okay, should I do it this week? Or maybe I should start on Monday. And it's like, I'm like, <laughs> right, right. What's like, no, Mondays? Just, I, I don't know. I don't get that. Like me as being a recruiter, everyone I talk to, they're like, I want to start fresh on Monday. And I'm like, but you're not working. Like, why don't you start now? Like literally you right, can start right. work tomorrow. Like what's the, the what's the problem? It's like, I want to start fresh. Okay, whatever. But yeah, it's like, I don't want to start fresh. I just want to just start with it and just go. So yeah. Oh, I'm going to have to look into that one. Yeah, it's a good book. So I, I got so much stuff I'm going to send you after in the DM. So yeah, uh, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, what what is in your gym bag? Ooh, what is in my gym bag? Way too many shoes. <laughs> we got the shoes. Uh, we got the thumb tape. Always have to have thumb tape. The mm -hmm. um, goat tape, extra sticky. That's always my favorite. Rip it into two, mm -hmm. make it a little bit thinner. Um, we still got a little bit, a baggie of chalk. Gotta have that. Um, jump rope, probably a blender bottle, but not a nasty gross one. I, I clean <laughs> yep. my blender bottles immediately into the dishwasher after you shake that with protein. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and my headphones. Okay. All right, cool. Um, so the next question is going to be a very um, a deep question. So um, let's oh just let's just say you kind of already said it with the tattoo uh, part, but uh, let's just say it's your last day on earth and you have all your friends around you. How how do you want people to know you as? Hmm. I want people to know me as like a good person more than anything like somebody that you can trust and who's reliable mm -hmm. and that you can seriously call like a good friend i feel like we all have so many acquaintances but if you think about like who are your really good friends that you could call right now to ask for the biggest favor and they would show up Mm -hmm. that's the type of person that I want people to remember me as. Okay, cool. I like that. It's a really good one. Um, so the last question is, um, where can people meet up to you if they have any questions with like, you know, podcasting, YouTube, you know, how to get in the media space or anything like that? Yeah. Uh, on Instagram, I would say that's probably the easiest way at Lauren Khalil. Um, just shoot me a message. I try to respond to every single one of them. Um, I have, 
like serious anxiety when I see like unread messages. Mm-hmm. So I'm very quick at responding. Yep. Yep. Because I'm like, I must answer this right now because I need to get rid of the notification on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, um, listen, thank you very much for doing this. I really do appreciate you taking the time because like obviously you're you're a very, very bit very big, very busy person. And yeah, um, you know, well, thank I was you. This was so fun. Yeah, it was great just getting to know you. And um, I know I talked a lot during this podcast too. So it's typically it's supposed to be the other way around. But oh my gosh, no, this is I like the conversation to be mutual. This was a good time for both of us. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, well th- thank you very much for doing this. Yeah, thank you. It was so fun to catch up.